Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls preview show in association with the Reading Chronicle. Well, we'll be looking back a little bit, first of all, at the game against Mill, and then we'll be going forward to the Bristol City match and all the kind of manager's comments and what he's thought of where we are at this moment. I've also been joined by Matt Joy from the Reading Chronicle. Hi, Matt. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Paul. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. Kind of glad we stopped the rot slightly on Wednesday against Millwall with a one-all draw. What are your kind of like thoughts on that match? Um, I, I think we, we sort of saw the, the, the influence that Michael Aliso can have straight away, almost after his introduction in the first, uh, second half. I think in the first half, it was a strange performance because I, I felt that the, the tempo of the side was really, was really strange. I thought when Millwall had a lot of men back, it was very, it was very ponderous and, and very sort of, you know, slow, slow to, to, to move the ball. But then when the, the break was on, it was Reading were sort of rushing to get the ball forward, but not supporting Zhao enough. So I think it, that was a you know recipe for not disaster, but it was never going to be conducive to a lot of goals. Obviously, the free kick, well, you can't do much about that. I think that's one of those where you just have to sort of applaud. It was a fantastic effort. But um, yeah, no, it was good to see Reading after sort of the, the recent capitulations that we've seen keep that focus. And, and okay, it was only a draw, but to hold on to it a little bit at the end was, was good after, especially I think Raphael will, will be boosted greatly by that performance because he, he's had a, he's had a tough few weeks. Um, the Bournemouth game, obviously the fourth goal was, was a real clangor from him, but I, I thought he was really good on Wednesday night. I think he, he was back to his best. As I said, not much he could do about the goal. So yes, things to, things to be, uh, to be happy with. And I think all in all the points, not a bad result at the end of the day. No, it's not too bad, is it? Not as us. We're still in sixth position in the league. And if you, as I say repeatedly, if you take that out of context of where we were at the start of the season, we'd be jumping around with joy, wouldn't certainly. we? Certainly. Certainly, yeah. And I think that is the thing that we, we probably all got caught up, whether we all believed that Reading would stay at the top of the table for all the season. I don't think many people realistically did, but we were enjoying it while we could. And I think, okay, we've been humbled a little bit, but to, to still be you know, up there and, and challenging... It is good at this point, as as you said, we would have all taken it at the start of the season. Okay, it's happened in a bit of a weird order. The, the results we might have seen that the defeats maybe sprinkled more frequently during the start of the campaign, but uh, you know, ebbs and flows, peaks and troughs. That's what happens in the in the season, and hopefully uh, Wednesday's Wednesday's result will be the end of that little rut that uh, we got ourselves into. Yeah, we talked briefly there about Michael Elise, and Panovic had some interesting comments about him after the match. I think we're both fans that he should be in the team, 
but he was kind of talking about how he needs to do both sides of his game, Matt, wasn't he? Yeah, um, I do understand that point. I think certainly some of Reading's more creative players have been guilty at points this season of you, you being slow to track back, you know, being slow to to get the ball out of their feet quickly um, and to sort of, you know, provide well-rounded displays. It's all well and good doing the pretty stuff up the pitch, but, you know, in, in certain games, that's not what is needed. It is needed that, you know, players will... will track back and we'll cut out passing lanes in the midfield and make things difficult for the opposition. So, yeah, I do understand uh, Panovic's comments. I think it would be a massive surprise for me to not see him start tomorrow. Um, I think, you know, he showed with that beautiful assist just just what you know makes him so highly touted. Uh, Alfa Smedo, uh, I'm still unconvinced. I think he's a good player, but I, I'm unconvinced of him in that sort of number 10 role. Um so yeah, it was a. Uh, I think the thing is with Elise, you know, he he he's not going to be oblivious to the hype that's surrounding him, to the interest that's surrounding him, and um, you know, as a young man, it it may be difficult not to get carried away with that. And you know, I don't know the man personally, um, but it is important that you know he, he keeps leveled and he, he keeps balanced and keeps improving um, in the way that he he has done since he burst onto the scene. Yeah, I think he's going to be a really good player. I mean, he, like you just said, he's very young. Um, he's got to yeah. find that balance in his play anyway, hasn't he? And I'm sure Panovic is doing it in a constructive fashion. He's not taking him apart and saying that he's not going to be part of the team. But sometimes I saw it before he was dropped. He was maybe trying a few overambitious passes at points, kind of slightly... You just think there was a point during that game when I heard, I can't remember who it was against, maybe Stoke City, when you could mm. clearly hear Morrison saying, get it in the box, when he was just yeah. playing around with it. Yeah, but, you know, I think everyone can be guilty of that. And I, yeah. I would not want to single out anyone for that. I think, you know, perhaps on Wednesday, just looking at Wednesday's game, I, th- I thought at times over Jaro's passing was, was really off. Yeah, agree. Um, you know, we've seen it happens to all players and then the fact that we have such a a high expectation of Aliso's performance levels at the age he's at just is testament to what an impressive uh, breakthrough he's had into the team perhaps you know he Panovic knows him better than anyone uh, any of us fans certainly and maybe that was just what he needed just to you know just just keep the level head and, and look to look to push on and, and get get his head down but as I said I think that I would certainly be looking to start him on um, Saturday. Yeah, I'm still excited by the prospect of some point of Swift, Ijaria, Elise, Jao, all in the same team. Yeah, I, I was actually good. I just, it slipped my mind. I was going to put that out on Twitter. I was I was interested to sort of gauge. I'll, you know, I'll gauge your your thoughts on it. Would you, if if John Swift was fit, you know, let's say we had a complete full full bill of health, would would Swift be getting into your Starting eleven at this point, I think uh, Laurent and Rinomota have been absolutely brilliant, largely this season. Okay, they've had maybe one or two games where they've been overrun slightly. That may be down to poor individual individual displays, poor tracking back, whatever you may call. But largely, both of those have struck up a really good partnership. Um, I'm not sure whether John Swift would get straight back into my side if, like I said, that there was a, a clean bill of health. Mm. I think Yaku Mate out on the wing offers something different. I think when you have him and, you know, maybe Ajaria on each wings, you, you can switch a play and you can, if one sort of style of play isn't working, you have that other outlet. 
I, I'm not sure whether John Swift would get straight back into it. To based based on you know the, the whole of this opening, mm. uh, the you know the, the opening start of the campaign, it, it, it perhaps it would do. I don't know what you, you think about that. Yeah, no, it would be an interesting one because exactly I agree on lots of those points there about Ijaria, Mate. But the prospects of being able to start some matches, I don't think it would be all. I think we'd kind of it'd be well, I think, yeah. right wing is the position where we'd have to retake more. I think Swift mm. would start for me because he just adds that ability to pass and control and get out of tight spaces, which we've lacked. Yeah, and, I think, and, and you know, I think that a lot of the players have it's, it's worth you know remembering that a lot of the players have had to play a lot of games. Yes. In you know, not not the <laughs> not the longest space of time to put it lightly that's obviously the nature of this season so just just to have that other option definitely would you know it would improve reading squad no doubt it, it would just be you know it, you, you could i think you could make arguments either way for me i, I don't think i would start him straight away because i think rinomoto and lauren is as i said when they have that sort of that that, that square with more and morrison in behind i think they work so well those four uh, they drop back and, and link the play really well. So, yeah, it would be definitely once he is back, hopefully it would be sort of before the end of the uh, calendar year. Um, it would be really interesting to see whether he's thrown straight back in or or whether he has to sort of prove his, prove his point. Yeah, I think so. It would be fantastic choices there. I mean, on the Rinomoto-Lawrence situation, I think it would really help us if Samadio doesn't start, not because I think he's been terrible or anything, but he can come on and replace one of them. Because something yes. I've noticed is they're fatiguing in later periods of the game, which is understandable because they're repeatedly playing every three days. That's not criticism. Yeah, and, and I, yeah. yeah, I completely agree. And I, I don't have the stats to hand, but mm. it would not surprise me any doubt if, uh, you know, in any way, shape, or form, if those two, in terms of ground cover during a match, they were the sort of one and two, yeah. because you know, every more or less every game they cover so much, so much of the ground. It's testament to their fitness. That they've been able to, you know, keep this up throughout the whole of this campaign, more or less. Uh, but yeah, Samade off the bench perhaps might be a, a good option, given that I think we've seen Tom McIntyre coming on and covering, and and you know he's done a good job. I think when he's when he has come on in that area, but to have a, a more recognised central sort of combative midfielder as opposed to McIntyre may sort of strengthen Reading's options um, off the bench definitely. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be seeing Tom McIntyre converting into a central midfielder like Jordan Abita from central midfield to left back. Though are we, Matt? I, I can't see oh, that. <laughs> I doubt it. No, I, I doubt it. But you know, stranger things have certainly yeah, happened. It's and it's, it's good. It's you know, it's good that he has that that you know ability to sort of step forward. It shows the, the skill set he has and the, the trust that the manager has in him. So uh, we, we we shall see. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> well, I hope it does for him because uh, it's a career move, isn't it? That will really help him. But I think the game that we need to talk about now is Bristol City on Saturday. They are mm. in third position in the league, only a few points ahead of us. They're also on a pretty good run as well. Only one defeat in the last five matches. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more in depth about their strengths and weaknesses with the opposition phone coming up in a bit. But looking at just us, kind of how do you think the match is going to go, Matt? I think uh, Bristol City will be looking, I think, to, to... They'll be looking at the games against Stoke. They'll be looking at the game against Preston, where Reading have 
maybe started brightly and then, and then faded. As you said, they're on really good form at the moment. And if you look at some of the teams that they've played in recent games, they played Watford in the week. I think they they lost against Norwich, but they've they've had Bournemouth, they've had Cardiff. You know, they had some really strong opposition, uh, and then they're still up there. So I think for them, it will be maybe looking to to latch onto Reading's recent disappointing home form and perhaps that. If they, I think the, their thoughts may be that you know if they can control the game from early, um, that's that's their you know their best chance of winning because I think a lot of games this season Reading have looked really bright in the full of opening ten minutes or a few and then you know it, it's keeping that going for the whole of a half. I think even in the Millwall uh, draw in the week, you look at the start of the second half and for the first 15, 20 minutes Reading were really really good, but it was about maintaining that sort of attacking mindset throughout the whole of the 45 obviously the, the the you know the general sort of story of the game meant that perhaps it was okay let's sort of sit back a little bit more and, and try and catch them on the break and just ensure that we don't don't lose but I think Bristol City will be definitely looking to to take the game to, to Reading in the off and Reading needs to counteract that I don't think then they're not a side who concedes too many goals either um you know if you look at I believe that they haven't conceded in the last three games before that. Uh, they, I think they shipped one against Huddersfield, still one there. Okay, they conceded three against Norwich, but then you know you have to go back a a way to to sort of find that. <laughs> you know, they're, they're defensively very, very solid, and that that would be my slight concern is when teams are the sort of teams who may you know nick the the odd goal and defend very strongly. It's whether Reading can break down that. The, the solid back line and I think that's definitely the way that they'll be looking to set up. One thing I will say, they face the strike in Tumi who's got great movement, holds the ball up and mm. scores goals. Very true. Um, we've got one of them in Lucas Jauho who's in prime form. If we yeah. can just play down those channels behind them, I think they can get gaps there. Um, I kind yeah. of... I want to be hopeful and optimistic because he's in such remarkable form, isn't he? He is. And, and he, you know, you look at him and you think, OK, his strength is going to be his physicality, holding the ball up and bringing other people into play. Well, you look at some of the goals, it's getting in behind. It's, you know, it's spinning off his man and, and getting into those those pockets of space and behind the defence. And he's, you think just how clinical he's been this season OK missed the, the chance with more or less the last kick of the game very difficult chance and you know I wouldn't have expected him to score it wasn't a sit by any any means um, but you know as you said he's in such good form I think if if Bristol City do play a, a higher line which they may look to do if if they're you know taking Reading on from the off that may be an area that Reading will look to exploit but I think they'll look at Lucas Zhao and think right let's not give him that space in behind and that's when the the sort of creative midfielders behind them need to the movement needs to be a little bit better, I think, off the ball. The, the passing needs to be a little bit quicker. There needs to be more support going forward, uh, perhaps from you know Rinomoto or Lauren. And perhaps that might be the, the, the plan B that's needed. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean the Millwall game, we were quite passive. The team wasn't pushing up enough up enough, sorry, but Maybe that's a situation from a team that hasn't won a game in quite a long time and suffering defeat after defeat. I understand it gets into your subconscious, I would suspect, mm. that you don't want to give it away as much as you'd like to win. You're yeah. kind of sitting slightly. But then it, it, I completely agree that, that is the mindset. But then you look at you look at just going back to okay, the Bournemouth game, the second goal especially, it was all about that sort of close, intricate passing 
drawing central defenders out of their position. Sonny Aluko, great run and great finish. Even the the sort of the first goal when Semedo won the penalty, it was about driving at the the opposition, taking taking the men on. And it's yeah, it is about that movement, which I think when Reading have been not at their best in the, in recent weeks, that's the that is a thing that's that has perhaps deserted them going forward. Just need to see a bit better link up play, a bit more movement off the ball, showing for your man a little bit more. Um, especially if, as I said, the, the, the Bristol City defensive line are, are sort of quite deep and, and not looking to allow Joe that space in behind. So what is your prediction then, Matt? What are you going to go for? Well, I, I haven't, I don't think I've predicted a Reading defeat all season. Okay. Um, I think it, I, I, I may be shouted out for it. I, I think that Bristol City may, may be too strong. Um I don't think it'll be a, another sort of 3-0 humbling at home, but I think perhaps they might nick it by a solitary goal. Okay. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. Um, I can see why you're saying that, Matt, completely. Um, oh, that's, that's my head. My heart's going. My heart will be <laughs> following you, but uh, just... Uh, you yeah, can't backtrack that. For my own reputation. No, 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 no. For my own professional <laughs> reputation, should we say, I think that... They no, do. I understand completely. I, I think it's a fair... Um, uh, prediction so thanks a lot for joining us and you'll be back next week then cheers yes so now it's time to talk to a bristol city fan i've been joined by stanley hughes from uh, one stream in bristol i know another site that's quite similar to that stanley <laughs> it's kind of maybe not inspired by that but how are you doing yeah i'm very well thank you even better after yesterday's thrilling nil nil draw with watford yes that sounded like an absolutely fantastic match one that we should all watch back Yes, 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 yes. One that uh, I'll tell my children about in uh, years to come. Yeah, definitely. But apart from that, you've only had one defeat on your last five matches. That is why you sit third in the league on 24 points. It's a top of the table clash coming up. I can't believe I'm saying that as a Redden fan because we've been dreadful for years. But how are you feeling as a Bristol City fan at the moment? Yeah, good. Pretty positive, to be honest. We had a bit of an iffy period before the most recent four games, where I think the knives were maybe starting to come out of a few pockets towards Dean Holden and the board. But um, considering that the majority of the fan base were uh, a bit miffed, to say the least, when Dean Holden was appointed, I think most Bristol City fans will be certainly content, certainly happy and, and very positive, um, considering we're however many games in and, and right up there with a the chance. Yeah, you're looking in that Bristol City position, aren't you? As we kind of like discussed a little bit before, this is a place where you hang around this time of the year in those playoff spots and then something goes wrong. I don't know what it is, but there's something that kind of falls apart. Is this going to be your season? Well, I feel like if, you, if I'd been on this podcast, you know, this time last year, this time two years ago, this time three years ago, this time four years ago, I'd say yes, I feel very <laughs> confident. We're doing well, we're playing well. Why on earth would we fall away? Um, so you never know. Um, there's still a part of me that's sort of waiting for Lee Johnson to unveil himself as Dean Holden and go, oh, it's me, I'm back. We're going to tail away once again in the last stages of the season. Um, normally... I think that's due to, um, it's happened in previous seasons due to a small squad or injuries or a lack of willingness from Lee Johnson maybe in previous seasons to use academy players. But I think now with Dean Holden, we're seeing that being turned on its head a little bit. People like Antoine Semenyo, Zach Viner, Taylor Moore are getting game time and he's clearly keener than Lee Johnson was, in my opinion, to use the extremities of the squad, to use the younger players. And I think if he carries on doing that throughout the season, we have got a big squad then you're less likely to see injuries, then you're less likely to see 
tail off and, and fatigue as we go forward. Yeah, Semenya is a great example. He's got six assists this season, most of anyone in your team. So it's clearly working for you. But you did mention there's someone who Redden fans, and I'm sure other clubs have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with, and that is Lee Johnson. Now, he's a special personality, isn't he? Uh, talk us through him. I mean, what was it like having him as your manager? Do you know what? It's, it is odd how there seems to be a real hate for him from other clubs. I think it's just because I think it is because of his personality. Really, he's not. He wasn't a particularly memorable footballer. It's not like people remember him as a player being particularly annoying. Um, I think there were big sways, big portions of the Bristol City fan base that never took to Lee Johnson um, because he was a Marmite player when he was here. He played the majority of his games for Bristol City under his dad, and there was always sort of the an air of nepotism surrounding him because he wasn't everyone's favourite player at the time. Um, he came in, he talks in a very slightly peculiar way. I mean, you running fans or people that live in Slough will be aware of David Brent and those comparisons are always levelled at Lee Johnson. And if anyone wants a bit of a laugh, I recommend doing a little bit of a Google search for Lee Johnson's LinkedIn page. You've got some very good sort of motivational speak type posts about bigging people up and how beneficial it can be for people's character development. So I get that. Um, on the pitch, he gave Bristol City memory, he gave Bristol City fans some of the greatest memories we've ever had. You know, no one will ever, ever forget the Carabao Cup run where we beat four Prem teams. We beat Man United at home in front of a packed Ashton Gate live on Sky with a 93rd minute winner from our club captain. We, t- we almost took Man City to extra time over two legs. We went, when they were unbeaten, we went 1-0 up away at the Etihad. We were so close to going up in that sort of second season under Lee Johnson. And it just never quite seemed to happen. We had season last season where we signed a Fobe and everyone thought, oh my goodness, we've cracked it. We're going to win every game. He does a cruciate ligament injury in training on a, just by standing on a twig, is out for the season. Suddenly the plan unravels. So I think for me, I always hold Lee Johnson in high regard. I had a lovely time under his management, but now it's Dean Holden's era and we're certainly enjoying it. Yeah, one thing I look at at Bristol City is there's a real big potential there for a club to get into the Premier League. It's got the fan base, let's forget the other club that's in your area, but that's kind of irrelevant. But if you kind of look at that, you just look at your owner, the setup you've got, and now the ground. It's just waiting, isn't it, to happen? Yeah, well, again, I, I, to be honest, you say that Lee Johnson got absolute pelters for referring to us as a Premier League club in waiting, to be honest. But I do agree. Um, another thing, we've, we've just spent loads of money on a new training ground. So similar to when England had all their youth teams moved to St George's Park to everyone in the same place, we're trying to do that with Bristol City. So previously, um, the, the youth teams, up until now, the youth teams and the first team have been about 30 minutes away. So if, you know, say um, uh, we need a striker for a training drill, you can't get them. You can't get an under-23 striker because they're half an hour away. But now we've spent, you know, I think tens of millions on a new training ground. So everyone will be on site. Everyone will be eating together, socialising, gymming together. And they're hoping that will sort of improve the pathway that we've seen where we're going to have academy players, local players playing in a first team and hopefully a first team that's in the Premier League. Yeah, well, that seems to make complete logical sense. Just like us, if you have, we've just built a massive new uh, training ground as well. And it just should help so that everything linking, having all the teams together in all the same facilities, because maybe that was another reason why the academy players weren't picked so much under Lee Johnson as well. It could be one of those things. Yeah, it's, to be honest, it's my biggest gripe. I've been accused of sounding like a broken record for a long time um, on the podcast because that was my biggest gripe with Lee Johnson. I felt like, you know, there were a few players that came through, Bobby Reed, Joe Bryan, Lloyd Kelly, under his tenure, but I never thought that he was doing enough to encourage 
young players to come in. I never felt he filled them with confidence. And speaking to a few of the few, some of the few contacts that I do have in the game, amazingly, I've amassed some despite this podcast being relatively useless. Um, they seem to paint a similar picture that he never really gave the young players confidence. And we, we mentioned Antoine Semenyo. You mentioned him being our top assister. Antoine Semenyo was a player that Lee Johnson was happy to send out on loan, was happy to not play in the first team, was happy to sign uh, free agent, 33-year-old Spanish strikers over him. Lee Johnson wasn't a player that had time for the young players. And I think Dean Holden, to be fair to him, he's playing them and we're benefiting from it. Brilliant. Yeah, it's good to hear, really. Kind of like getting those younger players in there. So, Dean Holden, how is he setting you up that is slightly different from Gary Johnson? I've seen that you've been playing three at the back as well. Uh, yeah, so we did play three-five-two for a fair amount of Lee Johnson's Bristol City managerial tenure. I think it, uh, up until the most recent game, we'd actually switched away from it. So up until the Huddersfield game a few weeks ago, we were playing a 3-5-2 um, with uh, one holding midfielder and then two sort of number 10s, number 8s. Normally, Jamie Patterson and Callum O'Dowd are sort of buzzing around trying to help the front two strikers. Um, but up until the Watford game, we'd switched that. And that was how Semenyo sort of started to get these assists and starting to really impress was because we'd be playing a 4-3-3. Um, whichever formation we're playing, the fullback's going to be very important with the way we play. Jada Silva, former England, the 21 captain on the left-hand side. He'll be very useful. Jack Hunt, slightly more experienced head on the right. They are a big part of our play. So even if we're playing three at the back or four at the back, those are two to look out for. Um, if we're playing 3-5-2, watch out for Adam Naj in the midfield, sort of Hungarian international, just qualified for the Euros. He'll be doing a lot of the legwork, running around. And I think Reading, from the sounds of it, have a, quite a decent midfield. So that'll be the place to look out for. That might be where the game's won or lost, maybe. Yeah, I think the energy in our midfield, I think it's going to be a really tight match coming up on Saturday. Um, where would you say would you be slightly concerned about your team, the kind of weakness possible? Well, I mean... It, uh... The big thing is we've had a lot of injuries. I mean, I haven't really scoured the rest of the championship to see how we compare to them, but it seems like we're getting a lot of muscle injuries, fatigue. We had we had a 10-plus COVID cases, actually, during the international break before the, before the derby game and somehow managed to win it with, like, half a day's training. Um, I'd personally be a little bit worried uh, in defence just because we played Watford yesterday with a back three. And in that back three was Tommy Rowe playing left centre-back, who's not a defender. He's sort of a left-winger centre-mid by trade, but he was sort of shoehorned in there and did fine. Taylor Moore, who has had a few iffy moments this season, but he was in the middle and did okay. And then Zach Viner, who's been an absolute standout performer this season, played every single minute and has been outstanding. But I'll be a little bit worried about the back three, depending on who plays. Callas might come back and he's our captain. We haven't conceded too many goals, but I'd say at the back, it depends, it depends who plays. It could be a, a makeshift back three on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the teams, I think it's going to be a tight one. But let's have a look back at the previous games over the years. There's a a Reading fan, one game that you might have wanted to block out slightly was when we came back from 2-0 down at Ashton Gate and with a last second goal, a winner, sorry, from Jan Kermigant. If you could pick out a game that you've enjoyed against Reading over the last few years or have a long ago, which one would you pick out? Oh, enjoyed. Oh, God, that's tough. I, I think my mind, my, I ruminate in a terrible way. So all the ones I, that immediately spring to mind are the terrible ones. I mean, I remember the 3-2 game at Ashton Gate where we were 2-0 up. And that was peak Lee Johnson. That that was when we were really struggling under Lee Johnson. And I remember everyone thinking, oh, I remember thinking, I remember hearing actually, when we went 2-0 up, I think Tammy Abraham might have scored a penalty. I remember my dad turning to me and said, well, at least we, we, we might be guaranteed a point now. That's how Bristol City fans were feeling at that point, despite being 2-0 up. So I remember that. I remember, they're all really terrible memories, I'm afraid. 
I, I don't think I can remember. Any, I can't remember any good memories at Majeski. I can remember Jamal Blackman, I think, scoring last minute um, against Steve Cottrell when we were really struggling. Mm. Oh, I'll tell you what. I've got one. I'm, I do apologise. I was there last season. I was there last season for the 1-0 win. I remember the Majeski being an absolute cemetery. No offence. I remember it being a, a graveyard. It was so quiet. Maybe it's because because it was um, midweek. I remember the fans next to us were quite loud. And I remember we went, we scored, we won 1-0. And the game, the highlight of the game was an amazing bit of defending from us. I think we might have cleared it off the line sort of three or four times in the space of 30 seconds. And that, and I, you know, I've, I feel like I've bad Lee Johnson a little bit in, in this little segment. So I'll give him, I'll, I'll, I'll lend this point with, with a nice bit of kudos to him. That game was peak Lee Johnson. And for many fans who, who only went to home games at Ashton Gate, they wouldn't have witnessed those sorts of performances. But for those sort of hardcore fans that go to away games and go up and down the country, especially under Lee Johnson, they would have seen countless 1-0 victories of that ilk. Hard fought, very few shots for us on target, but we'd score a goal and we'd just work and we'd grind it out. And it would be like cheering goals. There'd be a block, you'd cheer it like a goal. There'd be a save, you'd cheer it like a goal. You'd win a throw-in, you'd cheer it like a goal. And that, to me, was sort of peak Lee Johnson last season. And obviously, it didn't culminate in a playoff spot, but it was a, a very enjoyable away game, nonetheless. Yeah, I remember that game very clearly. That's Ashley Williams clearing off the line. And it was also Yeke Mate hitting the post in the last seconds when he should have scored. I mean, I, I'm going to get through that now. <laughs> I need to move on from that. <laughs> but that's football, isn't it? That was so typical of us last season. We just... We wouldn't start playing until we went 1-0 down, which is kind of rubbish. You're never going to achieve anything if you play that kind of football. So looking forward to Saturday. What do you think is going to be the scoreline then, Stanley? Where do you think this is going? Uh, I mean, I predicted goals in the game yesterday against Watford. Um, thankfully, I didn't tweet it because it was 0-0, obviously. But I, do, I can't see us not scoring two games in a row. We've been so good defensively. I, you feel like... The odds would suggest that we're not going to keep another clean sheet in a row. So I think there'll be goals in this game. I'm going to back us. I'm going to say we're going to get back to winning ways. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Bristol City win. That's fair enough. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Reading win, as you'd expect. <laughs> um, Lucas Jow is in absolutely fantastic form. He's just really unstoppable at the moment. We will see, though, because defensively, we are vulnerable. Very vulnerable. And if you can get midfield runners against us, you will get a chance and an opportunity. I think that 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 will, you'll see a lot of that. You'll see, especially if you play this three-five-two formation, because you'll have you'll have Naj and, and every now and then a centre back might join in the attack. But it's all about midfield runners, all about third man runners. Vyman's out for the season, and he was doing a lot of that. So it's whether Jamie Patterson and Callum O'Dowder can help the front two, whoever they are, in sort of breaking to the box, sort of last minute and scoring goals. But I do think it's going to be an exciting game. Reading seemed like a, a joy to watch, and it sounds it's a shame that. Reading fans can't actually watch them at the moment because I'm sure there'd be a lot of Reading fans who would be enthralled by the way they're playing football at the moment. The fact that we're actually playing uh, football and actually doing something half decent is exciting for us, mate. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> rubbish for years. But thanks a lot for joining us and uh, we'll see how it goes on Saturday. Cheers. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.